0: Thank you, Brother Newell. It makes it easy when you prepare us and give us that song as our concluding song before the message. I want to speak to you on the blessings from Bible reading. Amen. This book that you hold in your hands that we call our Bible didn't come to us in an English version, as you well know. Let's just review for just a few thoughts about the history of our Bible. The Old Testament came to us in the Hebrew language, the New Testament came to us in the Greek language, and translations were made. Perhaps one of the earliest translations was the translation of the Old Testament into Greek, called the Septuagint, sometime before Christ. As we use English, let's just jump over to a few names that were important to us. With regard to the English Bible that we have, in the 8th, 9th, 10th centuries, there were portions of the Bible translated into those into the English of that day. Among those names would be Caldonium, a man named Bede, even Alfred the Great, one of the rulers in England, was interested in and instrumental in some translation work. Right. Probably the first important name is John Wycliffe, a man living from 1320 to 1384. It was his ambition to put the English, put the Bible in the English of his day, and he was successful in a complete translation into English. The Roman Catholic Church did not approve of his work, but before they were able to. Uh, persecute him fiercely, he died. And uh, only some years later, about 30 years later, because of the growing persecution against Bible handlers, Bible translators, and Bible preachers, his bones were dug up, burned, and then his ashes scattered in retaliation against a man already gone from this earth. Following, following Wycliffe's death, friends of his, followers of his called Lollards, propagated the Bible widely in England and suffered greatly for it. In the late 1400s, about 1494, William Tyndale was born. And his ambition was, as he said, to translate the Bible into the English so that a boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. Well, that wasn't welcome in England. And so he left England, went to Holland and Germany, and between those two places, lived as a refugee, translating the scriptures. Uh, Someone betrayed him in his 40th year. He was discovered there making this work. He was convicted as a heretic, He was strangled and burned. And he was about, he and and Wycliffe were about two of many who gave their lives that we might have in our hands a Bible that we can read, that we can say, here is the word of God. As you realize, our King James Bible came to us as a result of James I, king of Scotland and England, in authorizing some scholars to produce a Unified Bible, unified translation, and the Lord was pleased to bless that work. Amen. And we have here in our hands the book that we trust. Right. As we read it, as we have the opportunity to read it and study it, let's not forget those who, in many cases, gave their lives and suffered greatly, that we might have just such a book. Amen. I want to lead you through some thoughts with regard to how to read your Bible with spiritual blessing. What should you expect when you pick up the Bible to read it? What should we expect as redeemed sinners as the word of God is open to us? Jeremiah has a verse in Jeremiah 23 and verse 29, which speaks of the Bible in a twofold way, as a fire and as a hammer. Yep, right. Let me treat the hammer first. Why, do we need a, why does the Word of God need to be called a hammer with regard to us? It speaks in that verse of breaking the rock that a hammer does. I'm not sure how well you know yourself, but I know myself well enough to know that there's times that I'm hard, and I need to be broken. Amen. Jesus would speak to his disciples, and I'm going to sh- just jump over here to the last chapter of Mark, and look at Mark sixteen fourteen. Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was arisen. Do we always believe? Are we always eager to believe? Are we enthused that when the word of God speaks something to us, we discover something, we accept it eagerly? Not always. And sometimes we need to be broken. And we're going to find that if we come to the scriptures and read them diligently, carefully, thoroughly, there's going to be places where God will deal with us hardly. It's going to be like a hammer. And we need it. And if we don't receive that, we're going to be missing part of the effect of the word of God on us. Also there in Jeremiah 23, 29, the word of God is like a fire. A fire does several things. It destroys, and it warms. And there's going to be cleansing that we need. Jesus would say in, in John 15, now ye are, to his disciples, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. If we read the Bible we're going to find one thing happening, we're going to be having some cleansing going on. It will show us things that we need to have cleansed away. And if we allow its full work, then those things are going to be burned out of our lives. We need to have that. We need to expect that. That's not always pleasant. Thinking about another verse along this line, where the Apostle Paul spoke to the young Timothy, the preacher, he said the word of God would be Profitable to you for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Now, neither of those two center items that he mentions are pleasant. Reproof and correction. So the Bible is going to come to us as a hammer to break us, as a fire to cleanse us, and as a teacher or a preacher to correct us Mm. by rebuking. I'm afraid that at times our Bible reading will become cool and we're going to become distant because of that very fact. We really, I don't think any of us really enjoy rebuke and correction. I've been a school teacher as well as a pastor as well as a parent for a long time. And I recognize that probably some of the hardest experiences are when you are rebuking or correcting someone even though you know what they need, you know what ought to happen, you know what should take place in their lives. Yet, so often, it's the stiff arm from the child, from the school student, from a church member, when you are plain and honest and correcting them. Let's make up our mind that when we pick up the Bible to read it, First of all, we should expect that it's going to deal with us. If it doesn't, then we probably aren't reading it successfully. We're probably mouthing words or covering chapters or fulfilling an assignment that somebody has given us rather than looking for something to happen inside. Because there is hardness, there is corruption, and there is correction that must be brought. Let's look at the necessary factors that are involved in reading the Bible for blessing. There ought to be, first of all, an eager expectation. We ought to have an eagerness to believe that God is going to minister to us through his word. We believe his word is inspired. We believe God gave it for light. We believe that it's going to be profitable to us as... 2 Timothy 3.16 ends with. It's profitable for all these things. But we need to have an expectation of that. Look at Psalm 119. This is the great psalm about the Bible. Look at verse 81, please. Psalm 119, verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation but I hope in thy word. How do you feel about the word? Would you faint if you didn't have it any longer? If you couldn't get it? If it was taken away from you? If you were, as some generations have been in the past, searching for the word and wishing you had a copy, would you faint for it? The psalmist, throughout this psalm, is just saying how much he appreciates how much he wants it, how much he longs for it. Uh, Probably it would do us all good if we read Psalm 119 at least monthly. Now that's not a requirement. I'm not even making that as a strong suggestion. But I'm saying it probably would do us a great deal of good. To get back to where this Bible man was, how he felt, what he saw in the Word of God for himself. If we were to go there, it would do a great deal for us. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. And and I recognize that this word salvation is not the script, it doesn't say scriptures, but it's representative of all that he has in the Lord, and he has it by way of a printed page. Look at one verses 147 and 148 in the psalm. Was he eager about the word of God? Amen. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. I prevent. What does he mean? He goes before. He precedes. Precedes the rising of the sun to get to the word. He'd had to use a lamp. He wouldn't have even had a switch that he could have flipped on like we have. He'd have had some sort of a stinky oil, burning lamp, or a candle, or some kind of a light like this, if he was going to read before the sun came up. Was he after the word? Yes, he was. Are we? What is a good time to read the Bible? Is it the first thing in the day? Is that a good way? Most people, I think we could say most people will find that that's the more successful time. You wait till the end of the day, several things are true. It gets late. And you say, well, now I, I have to stop this day somewhere here and get rest. And by that time, you need rest, right? You're half asleep on your feet, and you're going to hurry through some reading, and it may be profitable, but like is not, it's going to be lost upon you for weariness. Plus the fact you've already lived a day in which you could have been blessed with having some of the word of God in your mind had you read early in the day. This man would say, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. We need to do the same. Job would say that he esteemed the words, or or rather, yes, that he esteemed the words of the Lord's mouth more than his necessary food. Amen. Well, we always are well fed, aren't we? But not always fed in the Word. An eager expectation. All right, that's how we come to the Bible. Now we've got our Bible in our hand. We're ready to read. Is there anything else we should do first? I suggest that we ought to have a prayer on our lips. And it's found in Psalm 139. It's the last two verses of that chapter. It's been referenced a number of times recently. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I would suggest strongly to you that this is a most appropriate prayer that we would issue to the Lord before we would read. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, if there is a wicked way in us, if there is sin unconfessed and unfaced and something we're hiding and something we're toying with, then it's not likely we're going to get any further with the Lord and his word until we face that and take care of it. It's implied here that if we say, Lord, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me, (laughs) that we're going to confess it, admit it, renounce it and turn from it, and trust God for cleansing from it. It, That's implied. And then, lead me, Lord, in the way everlasting. We're reading to be led, aren't we? We want to have the hammer, the fire, the rebuke of the corrector. But we also want to be led. And so, before we read, some prayer on some nature, nature like this, needs to come out of our heart before the Lord. Then, with regard to reading, there's something else that we need to allow for, and that is a little bit of time, or a lot of time, to reflect on what we've read for our personal application. Right. We need to reflect on it. Let's not just let the words come in and, and go. How does it touch me? What uh, can I expect? In this same Psalm, 100, verse 150, uh, Psalm 9, 119 again, verse 159. One fifty-nine. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. I'm building on that word. Quicken me. Do something in me. Give me some life, some heart, some movement in this regard. I've read something. You've talked to me. Now I want you to bring it to pass in my life. I want to work it out. I want it to have ramifications not just some knowledge in the head. I want it to be in my life so it is visible, so it glorifies you. Right. Quicken me. Takes a little time for that. That doesn't happen just automatically always. There may be times when God will allow that to happen quickly as we're reading. Lord, this is where, it's, this is where it fits me. This is where it touches me. But let's not cheat the Lord on that. Let's allow some time for the application. Along that line. I want to touch on this, I hope, in a, in a couple more minutes. From another angle. But just let's allow some time here. And then we're going to say, Lord, my strength is weak, but it is you, you are sufficient to do all things in my life. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. A prayer of commitment and of trust and of claiming God's change in our lives. I suggest that these are factors necessary if we're going to be blessed spiritually as we read. Amen. Now, there's some other things that will happen to us as we read that I haven't perhaps detailed here. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, speak about sin in the light. One verse says, speaks about being cleansed from sin, and the other verse speaks about being delivered. Verses 9 and 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Here's the cleansing aspect of reading the Bible. Sin is identified, sin is pointed out, and it enables us to forsake it, to confess it and forsake it and to be delivered from it. Verse 11, though, has a different approach. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Here's the word of God, something that we know, we've thought on it, we've memorized it, we've attached it to our life, and said, this is what fits me, I know what pleases the Lord in this regard, and I'm going to do it, delivered from the sin. The word of God also becomes a sword for us to defeat temptation. If we turn to Matthew 4, 4, we'd hear the Lord Jesus speaking to Satan and saying, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What does he mean? He meant that there was a command that met the temptation of the devil at that point. It was a written command. He was referencing it back there to Deuteronomy. Chapter 8 and verse 3. And it was a complete answer and a total defeat for Satan. Now it was used twice more. The the scriptures were quoted twice more in turning the devil away. And he left him. And angels came and ministered to him. We need the same deliverance from fierce and daily temptations. Right. And it will be the Word of God that will make that, make the difference as to whether we're going to be defeating or defeated. Amen. Let's be the defeater. Right. <laughs> Let's have the Scriptures. I like what uh, is written by John to, to the, uh, some of the saints there in chapter f- 2 and verse 14. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you. 1 John 2.14 The word of God abideth in you. So here's the victory for us by by using scripture and knowing scripture and reading scripture. We reference, I already made a reference to the fact that the scriptures will guide us Listen to Matthew chapter 7. You may want to turn there to verses 24 to 27. Will the word of God guide us? Does it tell us what we need to do and how we should live? Listen to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came. How do we want to live? We want to live in the light of the scriptures. But we only find that as we get into them and as we hear them preached. And we're grateful to God for giving us our present pastor who's preaching boldly and clearly. Right. James one twenty two would say that we should not be like a person who looks in a glass or a mirror and forgets what he sees and goes his way foolishly. But we should make the changes that are necessary. The changes will come as we're in the scriptures. This morning we had pointed out to us from Psalm 1 that the word of God will make us fruitful. The man will be a fruitful man. Look also with me at Joshua chapter 1, please. Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amen. Amen. Make your life fruitful and prosperous? I would say so. But there are some conditions here, aren't there? This book of the law shall not depart. Thou shalt meditate that thou mayest observe to do. Following steps. Progressive. But the result? A prosperous way and have good success. That's great. That's what we want. We would wish for nothing more I would hope nothing less than being a prosperous believer, follower of the Lord Jesus, that glorifies him. Amen. But here it is. Here it is. It's, it's tied with the word. And finally, there's a matter of praying. As we are in the scriptures, as we read the Bible, we're going to find examples and encouragements to pray. And we're going to have basis for praying. John 15 and verse 7 would remind us of this. The Lord Jesus would say, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. My words abide. Well, you say, I read them. I read some of the Bible this last week. Are they abiding? That's a different story. And hopefully it will be something that we will be successful with. I handed out tonight a slip of paper, and I didn't. And I'm sorry that I ran out. I uh, thought I had made enough that everybody, including the babies here, would have one, but I miscounted somehow in my visit to the print shop. But there's a little slip that some of you have. Ten questions to ask as you read a chapter. That's a chapter of the Bible, not a chapter of your current novel. Seeking spiritual blessings. Let's take a chapter and let's work down through this as an example. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 1 if you're not still there. If you are there, fine. Let's read this chapter. Let's see how many of these questions that we can ask on this little slip of paper can be answered in this chapter and what, they might, what it might do in opening up the content of the chapter for us. Now, this is not foolproof. This is only a human construction. You understand that. This is not the Bible. But it's an idea that I have found helpful and a blessing. I haven't always used it. I don't read every chapter that way. But there are times when I do. And so I suggest that we just try this. And those of you who don't have the questions, here they are. What is the principal subject in this chapter? What is the leading lesson? in this chapter what is the key verse what are the who are the principal persons what does this chapter teach about Christ and then some more applicable things is there here an example that i should follow is there here an error or sin that i should avoid and hate is there here a duty that I ought to get busy with. Is there a promise here that I should claim? Is there a prayer in this chapter that would be good for me to, uh, to echo? Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give thee, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast." There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land, which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half the tribe of Manasseh, he spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord hath have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they also shall possess the land, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Amen. We could have picked, uh, what, one of a thousand chapters, and and I have my misgivings as to whether this is the best one I picked for, for tonight. But let's just think about the questions on the little slip. If you were reading and you had come to Joshua chapter 1, what would be the principal subject? What would you put there? Now, I don't want somebody to answer all the questions. I don't want to hear, though, from you. What's the suggestion for... Uh, For an answer to that. What would be a principal subject in this chapter? Somebody. Be courageous. courageous. God's charge to Joshua. Joshua. All right. Prepare to enter Canaan. (laughs) Whatever you wish. A principal subject. What's the leading lesson? A little bit different. Not quite the same. The subject is, the, the first one here on this subject is, the, is a title for the chapter. Now, what is the leading lesson? How would you phrase it? How would you pick a leading lesson? Do you see one? Is there one here? Is there no lesson? Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. I like that. Anything else? How else did you see it? Be obedient to the Lord, and he will prosper your way. All right? Obedience results in prosperity. Leading lesson, okay? All right? Is there a verse in this chapter that you'd say is a key or a or, or, or principal verse? Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. All right. I pick verse 8. <laughs> On the same tone. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, you know. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to observe to do it. And then I'm going to bless you. Other verses? Who else picked another verse than, than those two? Nine. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Now, why dismayed? Joshua was, was facing some walled cities just over the Jordan River. Jericho was the first one. It was a mighty fortress. They faced some real problems. So there was reason to be dismayed. But here's, here's the command, be not dismayed. Verse 9, the last part of the verse. For the Lord thy God is with thee. With us, whoever thou goest. Great. Key verses. All right? Sometimes a key verse in a chapter, if you're reading it, you may want to mark it and memorize it. That's that's not that you want to have a, a memorized verse in every chapter in the Bible, but it would not be a good a bad goal to start for. If the Lord tarries, you might make it if you're faithful at it. All right? All right? Anything in this chapter that speaks of Christ? Question number five. To ask ourselves, is there anything here that you see that reflects about the Lord Jesus Christ? He will never leave us us nor forsake us. That's true. Now, I realize it doesn't say his name here, but I like that application. That's great. That's great, Jim. Be with you, all right? Is there an example here to follow? You've read about some great charges and a great answer, but is there an example that you'd say, yeah, I want to follow that example. What is it? Anyone, somebody. Be obedient. Be obedient. When Joshua charged these Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and they came right back and said, we'll do it. The fact is, if anybody rebels, we'll put them to death. Right. <laughs> That's pretty strong obedience. Yeah, all right. Any other, any other uh, example that somebody else, saw? somebody else saw? Joshua led him and gave them a command. All right. He reminded them of what uh, Moses said. Right? He reminded them what Moses said. So he's going back on what's already committed by the Lord to them in the past, and and we have the same privilege of going back to what the Lord has said to us. Is there an error in this chapter that you notice? that you would want to avoid? Departing from God's ways. <laughs> the possibility of departing from God's ways, right. All right? A duty for me to perform? That sort of overlaps. Some of these overlap. That overlaps back up with the example. What's the duty? Obey and meditate. All right? There's two of them. Others? Be strong and of good courage. The Lord's with us, with right. them. A promise to claim? Again, some overlapping, but focused down. a promise to claim? Verse 13. Verse 13. The Lord your God hath given you the rest and hath given you this land. All right. He has given us rest too. Amen. Anything else? The Lord will be with us whithersoever we go. He will be with us whithersoever we go. Great. A promise. A prayer here? Perhaps not. In the sense that somebody is praying in this chapter. You will read chapters where somebody does pray. Anything here that you'd want to work into a prayer? Be strong and courageous. Lord, make me strong and courageous. Yes. So much for just a, a hint. I will make some more of these. I'm sorry I ran out tonight. And if you want to stick one in your Bible, I'll have some more here. The Lord willing, next service. And you can have one. Just There may be times when you want to pull that out when you're reading a chapter and just follow a little exercise along this line. Some practical suggestions with regard to Bible reading. Set a definite time and keep the appointment with God. Set a definite time and keep your appointment. Now, if you're applying for employment or if you're meeting somebody for dinner at the restaurant or if you're doing other important, quote, important things, you're there, aren't you? You're there. And if you're late... And if you miss out, you're shamed and you apologize. We need to set a time. When we say, Lord, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to take time. If it's going to be in the morning, all right, then set the clock, if that's what it takes. If it's going to be immediately after a meal, in the evening, whenever it's going to be, we need to set a time. And then keep the appointment. Otherwise, you won't do it. Regularly, faithfully, probably even beneficially, if it's going to be a hit and miss. Secondly, use a Bible that's convenient in size, weight, and print. You say, don't have one. Buy one. You buy games to play on the TV. You buy books. You subscribe to magazines, the newspaper, you buy clothes, you buy lots of food, if you don't have a Bible that's a good print, a good size, one that you like, then buy one. There's all kinds of bookstores, and if you want to buy one at a discount, you can probably find some, some one of us here who has some discount connections with booksto- with Bible houses where you can get a good Bible at a reduced cost. But you need to have a good Bible. Take some time, at least occasionally, to use helps, like a dictionary. You will find occasionally a word in the Bible that you don't really understand. You don't know what it is. A dictionary will answer that question simply. So have a dictionary handy to your Bible reading place. Maybe you want to use Strongest Concordance and check that word out in some other verses. Fine. We all have strong concordances in our homes now. In a good handy size. Not the huge size that I used to use. That uh, 11 by 16 or whatever it was. That I wore out a couple of those in in years past. But we have a nice handy size. Use it. Not all the time. Wouldn't have to use it every time you read probably. But there will be times that you ought to use it. So take time to use that dictionary or some other help. Something else that will bless you is that if you will help other people in your family to do this, to have time for Bible reading, make it easy for them. It will be a blessing to you. You may have to encourage other people in your family. You may have to encourage the children. Maybe the children will have to encourage the parents. Say, let's have Bible reading. Let's have a time. But make it easy. Don't make it hard. If you know that somebody in your family is trying to read their Bible, then leave them alone. Respect their time. Providing they aren't doing it when they're supposed to be getting supper, or doing the dishes, or making their bed, or picking up the house, or something else like that. Now, if that's an excuse to get out of it and saying I've got to read my Bible now, let's do some correcting. All right? Fathers... Or mothers, let's, uh, let's correct that situation. But there ought to be respect. And if you help other people, it will encourage you. It will keep you on the spot in a sense. <clears throat> Not everybody believes in marking their Bible. I do. I like to mark mine. I like to underso- underline some words, people's names, draw a line between certain words here and there in a passage. If you do then get a Bible that you feel comfortable with, your own Bible, so that you can mark it. And then get some kind of a marking pen or marker that doesn't bleed through so that it's worse on the back side than it is on the front. Now that's no good. I've seen Bibles that people have used some large ballpoint pens in about probably the softness of number one if there was such a thing. And there's a big mark on this page and you turn it over and it's right down through the other side. Well, there's all kinds of Bible marking pens that can be bought in this day that don't do that at all. Uh, I know my wife has had a set in the years past that had several colors. They would they were very visible on the one side but they did not bleed through the page at all. Just very great. They're 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 out there. And I fi- have one final suggestion and that is conserve some of your blessings in a notebook. Now when I say a notebook I don't mean a big eight and a half by eleven. I mean something like this or quarter of this size. But something like that conserve some of your blessings. There's two reasons for that. One is to remind yourself and to review what you have seen. And the other reason is to share it with somebody else in your family. Or here at the church. If you have meditated, you have asked God to bless you, you have taken time to reflect on it and to, to apply it to your own life and God's given you something good, jot down a line. You don't have to write a sermon. You don't have to fill a page. But put down something that has been real to you. There's a third reason. And that is it'll make you think. You won't be just reading. It'll make you think. Now what did, what did this say to me? what does God want me to take out of this? What should I be learning besides being able to say I've read the chapter? We don't want that. None of us want that. It will help you review. It will help you share it with somebody else. And it will make you actually do a little digging. I want to close with the same thing that Jim started with this morning, Psalm 1. I want you to think about a couple of words in that verse. Psalm 1, let's turn there. So that, so that the word, I hope will jump off the page at us. It said, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will delight. Now we all have things we delight in. We do. A game. A car. Getting out of work. Coming home. A great meal. There's all kinds of things that we have that we really delight in. We could talk about it. We could think about it. We want to be there. We want to take, participate in it. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Amen. Now, that doesn't say, I don't want to spoil anybody's fun here at this point, but it doesn't say delight in the promises. We're going to do that. He doesn't say delight in the miracles. And that's great too. Or delight in the great stories of the three men who were tossed into the fiery furnace and walked back out. That's wonderful also. Do you know what it says here? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? What are your commands for my life? Right. Delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. Here's the other word. Meditate. Day and night. Think about it. Chew on it. Apply it. Day and night. You say, I don't think about anything at night. I sleep. What do you think about before you go to sleep? What do you think about if you wake up? And what do you think about when you are awakened in the morning by that ringing alarm clock over here? Or just by nature, if you are one of those people that wake up at a given time and start your day, what do you think about then? This psalmist said, the blessed man is the man who delights, and meditates. And then i like the last line of verse 3. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. My desire was that we shall be prospering people spiritually because we use the word fully, wholly, ambitiously, and with devotion to the Lord. There's Bible reading charts back there on the table. If they will help you progress from book to book or chapter to chapter. There's some back there for the children who the pastor laid out so that they could read a chapter a day and not cover the whole Bible, obviously. There's many books. I looked on the ch- at the list and I thought, boy, I wish they were reading this book or these chapters. There had to be some choices made. He made the choices, so that's a, it's a starter. And if you parents would choose to have them read other books, other chapters, fine. Let's have even our younger readers be reading daily as well, but yet but yet, not snowed under by the thought that they have to read three chapters, if that's going to be too much. May the Lord bless our hearts to be devoted to him and his word that he's given us. Amen. Amen.